On today's show, we pivot away from the all, frankly, depressing Houston Rockets to take a look at uh, a preliminary look ahead at the 2022 NBA draft. And joining us to do that, Nathan Vogg. Nathan, who are we taking a look at today? So we're looking at the obvious ones. We're looking at Chet and Paolo at number one and number two, which hopefully the Rockets are going to get either of those guys. And then stay tuned for three, four, five. We're probably going to have the worst record. So that's as low as we can pick. So we'll not close out in my last segment. All right. Coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. With the second pick in the 2021 NBA Draft, the Houston Rockets select Jalen Green. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep getting better every day. I'm going to keep perfecting my craft. And every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Six. Five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, the best and only daily podcast covering your Houston Rockets. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and co-host of Locked on NBA Thursdays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin, as well as the show at Locked on Rockets. We sincerely appreciate you making Locked on your first listen of the day. Today's episode is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. Now, look, we're going to pivot away from the Houston Rockets a little bit in today's episode 13-game losing streak, be gone. We're going to take a look ahead at the NBA draft, a way too early look ahead at the NBA draft. And joining us to do that is uh, none other than Nathan Fogg, founder and sole proprietor of T and Rockets from across the pond. How's it going, Nathan? It's good. Well, if anyone wants to work for T and Rockets, I can pay you in Yorkshire tea is what I drink. I can pay you in some different stuff, but the monetary value is questionable. <laughs> well, we're excited to have you here, Nathan. You've been on the show before. It's been far too long. I'm glad to have you back on here. Eventually, we'll have to get you on to talk some Houston Rockets basketball, hopefully when yeah. it's a slightly less depressing point in the season. But we're going to take a look ahead at the NBA draft because there are some very exciting prospects in this NBA draft. And frankly, you know, anytime the Rockets lose, as, as frustrating as the season has been, at least you can take solace in these losses, knowing that there is no there's no draft debt owed this season. There is no potential pick swap with OKC that we're going to have to sweat over during the draft lottery. It's all Houston. It's all ours. And all these losses, you can at least take them with a little bit of like silver lining that, hey, it's going to turn into a good prospect at the end of the year, right? Yes. So we're bottom. I think we're going to get, I don't think it's a hot take to say we're probably going to get the lowest uh, record in the NBA. New Orleans is the only team giving us any sort of sweat right now. And sign comes back, if he ever comes back, they should probably improve a little bit. So if we get the worst record, um, it doesn't improve our chances of getting number one compared to two and three, but it does mean we can't drop any lower than five. And at the moment, I actually think this is, in my view, a five player sort of top. That could change to four, could change to six. But right now I have five guys which we're going to get through in this in this show. So that's good news for Rockets fans. 
Absolutely. We're going to do a kind of a preliminary look at some of the top, the, basically the top five prospects here. So let's start with, first off, Nathan, on your board, right? It's kind of everybody is in between these two guys right now, Paolo Bancaro and Chet Holmgren, one and two. And it's kind of just at this point, like almost personal preference, some slight stylistic differences in their game, but has them, you know, one or two. Who do you have at the top of your board right now? So number one for me is Chet Holmgren, which I did a poll on my Twitter a couple of days ago, and I think 85% of people wanted Paolo. So I guess this is a bit surprising. Um, if you haven't watched Chet for Gonzaga so far this year, you've probably seen him on YouTube with the highlights in high school and AAU and stuff. And the comp coming out, like it was for every seven-foot-tall guy who's towering over all his opponents, is Kevin Durant. You can do a crossover and get a pull-up shot, and he's Kevin Durant. That is Far and away, not Chet Holmgren's uh, comp right now. Um, Chet is absolutely dominating as a defensive first player um, at the rim. Um, he just looks like he has Rudy Gobert level, um, you know, impact uh, as a defensive player onto his own. Houston doesn't have a good defense right now, but I think if you put any capable like screen defenders around him, you could basically be like a top 10 defense almost immediately if he plays enough minutes uh, and has like that motor and, and stamina to do that. He's the kind of guy who's a defense onto his own. Um, I was looking at, so Sam Bassini on the Game Period podcast had these stats for the Texas game, which is actually a much quieter game from him uh, in general. Uh, when he was off the court, Texas were getting to the rim at 33% frequency. They were shooting 60% at the rim. When Chet was on the court, they didn't get to, they got to the rim at 15% frequency and only shot 33%. And he only had like a couple of boxes in that game, so it didn't jump out of the page. But it's like hilarious watching these guards as soon as they get to anywhere near the paint, just like completely no part of it and back out because he's just there. And he has this huge standing reach and he's great time number blocks. He he can stay with you. A lot of young players will just jump for everything. So you pump fake him and he, he's in the air. But if you try and like probe around him and you can see guards trying to think of ways to get to the rim, he'll just kind of stay in his position and he just takes up so much space that he's got the time and he's got the presence. And he's obviously got these like, he does the thing which I really love, which is keeps the blocks in play. So like he goes straight to a guard if he can get up the court. Right now, the defense first is something that I think any team you can plug him in and because he can switch on the perimeter as well, he defends guards quite well. He's just an instant um, floor raiser, ceiling raiser on your defense. Uh, and the offense is, is low usage right now, but looks promising. That was going to be one of my very first questions for you is just how much of his defensive impact is because he's just, you know, a ridiculously, you know, lengthy seven footer at the college level versus, you know, his actual defensive IQ and instincts. And is it, it sounds like it's kind of just a little bit of both right now. It is like, I mean, I don't know the psychological impact of being six foot one and running into a seven foot guy and just like, he doesn't even have to do anything and you just like run away. Um, but he, yeah, exactly. But you know, you've got to stay vertical, which a lot of tall people um, have problems with in the NBA. You've got to have the timing. You've got to, he doesn't get like duped out of position with quick, like giving goes. I actually saw him do a backdoor cut himself where he has that quick like acceleration left to right. Um, and it, yeah, it's a tight look. He's been taller than anyone in the basketball court for all his life. And he's always had this skill to be, uh, you know, have the IQ is what you say. And the really exciting thing is that when obviously, you know, probably don't want to get into it now because it's such a hot button take on Twitter, but like, can Rudy Gobert stay on the court in, in, in playoffs? Chet has the potential to play in a five out defense where obviously you want him around the rim because that's where he's going to be best at. But he he's in the last couple of games, he's been doing a show and recover defense where like he, 
blitzes onto the ball hander. And because he sends him so far back to the – because you have to just go so far back to the half court to, like, kind of back away from him. He has so much time to recover to the centre of the rim. And he's mobile. He looks pretty agile. Uh, for someone his size, he, he, he I don't think he's, like, this switch defender way. That just makes no sense to switch him onto the perimeter all the time. But if he's, if he's guarding, let's say, uh, a Jeremy Grant at the five or something, uh, someone who can obviously put the ball on the floor, he has a very good chance of staying in that possession anytime. You know, I, I want to flip to the offensive side of Chet here for just a moment. Uh, I only caught his the uh, Gonzaga season opener, which in which he put up a, a pretty ridiculous stat line. Let's yeah. be honest: at fourteen points, thirteen rebounds, six assists, seven blocks. It was kind of insane. What what stood out to me though, offensively from him, is he he's got a pretty adept passing game already. Like he looks like. He's going to be a guy who's not going to have any issues playmaking for his teammates, you know, at this level or at the next level. Yeah, so he he against uh, Dixie State in that first game, we were playing a one-three-one zone, and so he was at the free throw line, being the zone buster most of the game. And he can obviously just see any pass with his height. Um, I think he had a couple of he actually has a couple of like tricky ones because he's like throwing it at such a high height that he's like throwing it down all the time, so he has to like adjust the strength of his pass. Um, but yeah, he I don't think. He He's somewhat, He's had trouble bringing the ball up the floor um, himself to be a, a play starter. Um, I think he's just too big, high center of gravity. All you have to do is send a couple of people at him, and he, he instinctively tries to turn away. And because he's got such a wide turning circle and the ball's far away from him, it's so easy to strip him. So the idea of I I don't like this sort of idea that any seven footer who can ball handle a little bit should be like a wing. Like we, I think we all fell for it maybe a little bit with Christian Wood, including myself. And then you realize. That's such a tiny part of their game that you just don't really want to see them acting as a wing just because they can get their own shot a little bit. So Chet is not going to be a play starter in my mind. Uh, he's a play finisher, but he but those passing that like you say is more of a connective passes. If he finds himself in trouble where the defense is going to collapse with three, four guys on him in the paint, he can find the kick out anytime basically. And that's the, that's the biggest strength of his passing for me. It's it's for the connective stuff, not not the play starting stuff. Coming up, we're going to move into number two on Nathan's board, Paolo Bancaro, and we're going to get there after a quick message from our friends over at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Look, Prize Picks has the best NBA DFS prop game on the market. Prize Picks offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as bench players only recording a handful of minutes each and every game. Look, it's it's so simple, so easy. You pick two to five guys, right? Two to five players and an over-under on their projections. And you can win up to 10 times back on any entry. And it's just you versus the projected numbers. Use award use the award-winning prize picks app on the App Store or on the Google Play Store. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that simple. So don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com and use promo code MBA or go to your app store and download the app today. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Appreciate you making Locked on Rockets your first listen of the day. Continuing on with Nathan Fogg. You can follow him on Twitter at NathanFogg1. That's two Gs, not one G. NathanFogg1. Now, Nathan, let's get into Paolo Bancaro here, who... Again, I I haven't even decided, and you did a good job selling Chet in the first segment. I'll give you that. I haven't even decided between you know between these two guys who I've got on my board at one or two. I think I just need to spend a little bit more time watching them. And obviously, this is you know we're we're in November, right? We've got plenty of time before the draft, um, and there's going to be a lot of analysis. We're going to have a lot more back and forth. Maybe maybe Paolo Chet is going to be the new uh, the new Mobley Green debate 
uh, six months from now, and we're going to tear down and burn down all of Rocket's Twitter again. But let's start with Paolo. What are your What are your immediate early impressions on him so far? Uh, well, the talent is 100% there. Like, if he is the number two pick and Houston gets a number two pick, like, um, and somehow he falls, then you are absolutely delighted. So this is not a weak top two at all. Um, I think the biggest thing for me is seeing that he's primarily been playing out of the post a lot, which is going to make, I think if, if there's any reason why I have him lower than Chet and in the end I'm wrong, I think it's because I'm maybe not seeing how it translates to an NBA court immediately. Um, obviously, he's going to play out of the post through his whole career because he's, he's a good passer and he has the size. Um, but it's it's maybe not going to be, it's not the primary focus of Duke's offense. Like Trevor Keels is ball handling a lot. There's a lot of side pick and roll and then throwing it down to him in the post. We've not seen the huge variety of passes that he can make. So he's averaging, I have it up here, 0.8 assists a game with 2.8 turnovers a game. Basically, he's just getting his shot in the post. Uh, I haven't seen any team really double him. Like it, uh, his first game against Kentucky, they doubled very softly and then like immediately scampered back. So he wasn't really a real double. So we're not seeing him kind of make the passes that I think would make him like a really special prospect. Um, the good news is that he can just score from anywhere on the court um, out of the post up. It's kind of like I'm kind of a sucker for like post moves and watching Shengun last year when I was kind of scouting him was like really exciting. And Paolo doesn't need to do any fancy post moves. It's kind of like disappointing. He gets a ball in the post. I'm like, oh, wow, what am I going to see? And all he kind of does is like maybe dip his shoulder, turn around, shoot and he scores like it's it's so easy maybe not the most like exciting to watch but he can just i think that you know his conversion rate is going to be really important because he's not getting to the rim like a ton at the moment and unless it's assisted obviously he's a good cutter he's very intelligent so he's anytime a defense kind of like sags off him at all he's he's there to get to the rim um but his outside shot is what's going to make him special he's one for eight from freeze right now again pretty quiet start but um, as the season goes on, he's going to make more threes and he's going to make these, these more just really tough shots where he can just get to his handle anytime, shoot over anyone. Um, it's, it's a really special offensive like foundation to start with when you're just such a good pure shooter. And to have the skill set he does at 6'10 is pretty rare. So he is. So you mentioned his height. He is listed at six ten. So he's you know a little bit smaller than Chet. Is he is Paolo going to be a guy that is just a de facto like five at the NBA level, or is he somebody that might be able to slot down at the four spot a little bit, kind of like what we're at least trying to see Christian Wood attempt a little bit, you know, with the Rockets so far this season. Yeah, I don't think Paolo's a five at all. I think six um, ten. When I saw that, I was actually a bit surprised because he seems a, a tad smaller than that, maybe six nine. Um, so I'd be interested to see once the, uh, the combine measurements come out. Um, as a defensive player, he's he gets into the rim a lot and as the low man and rotates from the weak side. So he's there early, he's strong. It's all great, like from an IQ center point. Um, he's not very strong when he gets under the rim, and, and I've not seen him really like act as a rim, uh, like a shot blocker, as a you know, as a the man there. He gets there, and then what he does when he's there, he, sta he stands tall and strong, and he does everything he needs to do. But like the guards are just kind of just going at him anyway. So he's going to continue to bulk up, and he's obviously got this kind of body frame where you think he can just be an absolute monster in a few years' time. So if that's something that takes a while to develop, maybe it's good that he has the positional awareness and the quick feet to get to where he needs to be and then his sort of size will add those that that real rim deterrence that he needs to be but i think paolo's kind of a swiss army knife on defense and offense so like he's been really good defending the perimeter he did he's a he's like on the wing a lot so he defends those sort of i call them 45 drives you know like the four five cut where it's kind of like the diagonal so when the guy drives out of the wing he can shuffle his feet really well and he's he uses his body really well in his arms so i've not seen anyone at all beat him off a dribble in that sense um 
and he's he's doing a bit of everything. He's going over screens really well. He, he gets his his foot out in in front and he's dips his shoulder, so he's he's quick over it. Um, defensively, he's really actually been the most pleasant surprise for me. I don't think he's going to be like some great defender, um, but I think he can fit on any team defense really and like do his part. I don't think he will be a weak link at all. And when you've got the offensive skill package he has, that's like pretty special actually. So when you when you look and compare these two between between Chet and Paolo, you basically have Chet higher on your board right now because of where you think he's his defensive floor is going to be kind of compared to Paolo, right? And that's even though it sounds like it sounds like Paolo is going to be a maybe not a a much more gifted offensive player, but he's going to be able to step into a, an offensive heavy role with yes. a little bit more ease over Chet, right? Definitely, yeah. If you're looking for a primary ball handler scorer, uh, Paolo might average 20 points in his first year and uh, Chet might average like 9 or 10. Um, so if that's what we're going for, and I think it probably depends on how Jalen Green carries on developing, whether he can be like, you know, the lead ball handler and then sort of fight four out one in system around Chet. That's obviously a, a big question mark. And, and I guess who we get, uh, how Kevin Porter Jr. develops and who we get with our next pick with the Miami pick and if we can get a good point guard there because there's a couple of the 20s that might be available. So I think it's probably too early to say, like, worry about fit and just get the best player available. But yeah, if you're looking for like the offensive kind of juggernaut, I guess it, it's it's probably Paolo. But don't do a disservice to Chet with his ability to, to you know, if he starts shooting the three, he's only take four three shots, four three point shots at the moment. He's one of four. But um, as a trailer, um, as someone who can drag the offensive uh, defensive center out, that's going to be even if it's low usage, really valuable as well. You know, the idea of imagining a, I'm going to be completely honest, the idea of the imagining a, a pick and roll between Jalen Green and Paolo Bancaro, like the explosiveness between those two guys yeah. and, and how like the insane finishes that would be seen between those two. When I was watching uh, the opener, the the Duke opener against Kentucky, I was just thinking, man, like these two could cause some serious damage together on an NBA basketball court. And that's if I if I was leaning one way over the other, I'd probably be leaning Paolo right now. But that's only because he's got a little bit more flash to his game right now than I think Chet does. And and as we get a larger sample size and see more of these two guys play, hopefully Chet will be able to, you know, have some of his flashy plays as well. But the defensive side of things, you're absolutely on the money there. Um, that's I, I hadn't quite considered that angle with Chet. So with Paolo what is your like elevator pitch? Like if you were trying to convince somebody to take him over Chet, which I know it's going to be hard for you to do because you have Chet number one, what very would be your argument? Yeah, yeah so he's very argument? close to me right now and it will flip-flop throughout the year, I'm sure. Paolo, um, he, think of a guy who's that size, who has that skill set and you won't come up with many names in the NBA, especially someone who I think will really, really be able to shoot on pull-up threes and things and, and make his own shot. He's not someone who needs setting up at all. And you're right when you think of a pick and roll, he's not really setting many screens right now. Like I said, he's operating kind of out the post and in ISO. But what can he do when he's setting a screen? He can pick and pop it, and that's an easy, like, free for him. I'm sure he'll be able to pass out. I'm sure a lot of it's theoretical, like I said, because Duke's just not running that offense. So I'm sure we'll see some flashes of that throughout the year. And I'm going to be keeping a close eye on it. But, like, if you're a head coach and you can't put a Paolo Banquero in your um, offense like you deserve to be fired because I think he can just do pretty much anything and can run one to five. Like I said, I don't think he's going to be like a real five, but he can. He, I'm sure he will be able to do some stuff there uh, in spot minutes, um, a real Swiss Army knife. And yeah, I mean, the the the, the untapped potential is, is massive with him. 
All right, well, coming up, we've got our last three names that we're going to kind of rapid-fire round through here in the third segment. We've got Jabari Smith, Jalen Duran, and Jaden Ivey, and we'll get there after a quick message from our friends over at Built Bar. Look, I love Thanksgiving just as much as the next guy. you got so many different, so many different food options, so much to choose from. But maybe, maybe you want a yummy dessert that isn't so just chock full of calories and sugar, right? It's the perfect time for Built Bars. Built Bar is the new holiday dessert. You can feast on something delicious and feel good about it. Look, one slice of pie has anywhere north of 300 calories, right? And that's usually on the low end. Most Built Bars are only 130 calories and four grams of sugar with tons of protein, right? I've said it before, I'll say it again. They're basically candy bars that are jam-packed with protein. Low cal, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. So feast on something good this holiday season. Check them out at Built.com and use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your very next order of the best tasting protein bars out there. Again, that's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. We thank you for making Locked on Rockets your first listen of the day. For your second listen, go check out Locked on Fantasy Basketball with host Josh Lloyd. If you like fantasy hoops at all, you've got to go give Josh a chance. He is the fantasy guru, expert, whatever you want to call him. Go check out his show. You'll love it. Continuing on here with Nathan Fogg. Now, Nathan, I'm going to let you steer the bus here for a moment. Who do you want to talk about first of these remaining three prospects that you've got teed up for us? Uh, I think it will go in no particular order because I think it's a bit jumbled up. Let's start with Jalen Duran, 6'11 center in Memphis, uh, Memphis Tigers. So, right, have you seen it. anything? Do you know much about him? Or? I, so for, from these last three prospects, I haven't got any film tape. So you're, you're, you're steering the bus. <laughs> I've got nothing. I am a blank slate. So okay. whatever takes you pour into me, those are going to be my first impressions of these guys. Well, Duran, I think, is actually the, the, the easiest to evaluate. Um, you know, you can watch him for five minutes and you know his strengths and his weaknesses. So a, a very, very, very athletic center who may be a tad undersized just from a pure height point, but makes up for it. I mean, he's actually averaging 4.7 blocks a game, which is more than Chet. Um, I think partially that's because players feel like they can actually drive at him. But when he does, he just like throws their stuff out of the gym like immediately it's insane um i had a block on my twitter where he i just snapped a still image of it and he, the moment he actually touches the ball he's like higher to the top of the backboard than the rim like he gets up so high um so so that's exciting um and he can also slide onto the perimeter so memphis switches every ball screen on on the perimeter so he's he's dealing with guards like half a time um, and he's very smart, so he, he kind of seeds two or three inches of well, two or three feet of space between him and the ball handler. So he doesn't give up blow buys, but he's so quick with his first leap and with his he's got such good wingspan that he can contest a shot pretty much any from any time. You know, it doesn't matter how much space he really gives up. Um, so there's a little bit of Bam Adebayo in him, I think, defensively. I don't think he's as good at uh, um, sort of switching onto the perimeter. Um, and again, it's similar to Chet, whether you would really want to do that all the time as part of your base defense and whether you'd rather him just be at the rim more. Um, but he's certainly doing it a lot right now. And it's it's been very effective. He shuffles his feet left, right, backwards, and, and he can stay with a ball handler, like accelerating, decelerating. He's not giving up position much. Like all players, he, he can jump out a little bit too much and a pump fake and see his position. That's when he starts fouling. But that's something that every 19-year-old does. Um, and then on offense, um, very, very much around the rim right now, uh, hoovering up anything around the rim. I think the one thing stopping him from being like the sort of excitement people got for DeAndre Ayton is that he doesn't have any sort of range um, outside of a restricted area right now. 
they're just not trying it. I think he's had two shots outside of the restricted area. None of them, neither have gone in, but like, who really cares? Um, but he's just very in the dunker spot a lot. And, you know, Memphis is getting good penetration with Amani Bates. And he's just, he's got really good hands, grabs it and he's up straight away. And it's, it's just a dunk. So, like, he is just this prototypical rim running um, center who is an absolute beast defensively um, and can just finish moves. And if he ever gets any sort of outside touch, he could be the best player in the draft. Oh, all right. Well, that's all right. That's we're, we're off to a strong start out of these three. All right. Who, 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 are, we, who are we steering towards next? Are we going to go Smith or are we going to go Ivy? Well, I think Jabari Smith's probably the safer one for now. Jabari Smith is, I think, really exciting people. And I think it's probably been, been the biggest mover into his top four, top five uh, from the start. 6'10", looks like seven foot easily. Um, really long wingspan. He's averaging, how many steals is he averaging? I've got it written down here. Um, he's averaging Three like four or five steals a game. Um, yeah. He like really, he's playing on the perimeter a lot. So he's a forward, but he's playing as a, as a wing defensively. Um, and what I really love about him is that he's so like competitive. He doesn't let his wingspan just do the job for him. So he basically just junks up your half-court offense because if he if you're stood on the wing and he's like there, he'll kind of like funnel you towards a pain, oh, towards the sideline, sorry. And he just like blocks like half of the court of his wingspan. So if you have any sort of lazy offense, which half the teams do like on a random like Tuesday night, he's just gonna grab and he really jumps out in passing lanes. He doesn't just like try and get it with his hands, he like really forcefully jumps out. So the amount of steals I've seen him get, literally just as the team is trying to get into a dribble handoff or is uh, just trying to swing it to one one side, such a safe play 99% of the time. He's like, he's in it and then he's like screaming into the crowd. He's like towel waving. So a really high like intensity player who can really set the tone uh, defensively. Um, really good as a drop defender in the, in the small amounts of time. You can come up to the point of the screen and you can shuffle back with guards. Really versatile. Um, would like to see him more at the rim to see if he has that potential as a sort of small ball five center, um, which again, like all these players, will come with like more strength. Um, offensively, um, he's his talent to get to his shot is really, really there already. Um, again, it comes with him being able to shoot over everyone, um, and he's shooting like six percent on three point pull ups right now. Um, if he continues to shoot anywhere close to that, any like 40% north, uh, this is like a slam dunk pick at number four or three or five, you know, whichever one he comes out of. Because his 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 passing is going to come along and what he does as like a primary ball hander, I think is still a question mark. But as a, as a, an outlet, as like a guy you can just throw the ball to and just get a bucket, um, he, he can do that like pretty much automatically right now for Orban. I, I, that's what stood out to me is I was looking at the, the, just his stat line from the first, you know, couple games, the 63% shooting from behind the arc. And then I looked at the sample size and I was like, okay, well, five of eight, like that, that's, that's obviously going to come back down to earth a little bit, but it really sounds like to me, Nathan, that there's a lot of prospects right here at the top of the draft that are going to be high impact defensive players, yeah. like right out of the gate, which is really interesting. Cause I feel like that's not usually the case with you know at least the top heavy you know four or five picks you know in any given year of the nba draft well there's not many guards i mean in that top so you also have we won't touch on him today but patrick baldwin jr who's 610 caleb houston who's pretty up there um and then i guess the guard which we're going to go into is Jaden ivy is my my top guard but yeah you're talking chet paolo Jalen. these are all 6 10 11 guys which um for houston brings up the question of like christian wood and shangoon and we still have Daniel Tice for three years after this. Not that he should play much part in your sort of rebuilding process, but Christian Wood is definitely going to be like the question mark. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Let's leave that for another conversation. But when yeah. you're thinking about all these guys are 6'10 and above, 
is uh, is an interesting one to think about. Well, I mean, if Christian doesn't want to get shipped out, he's going to have to figure out how to uh, pick up his level of play instead of regressing well below the expectations that were set forth for him for this season. But let's not dive into that rabbit hole because we could spend, you know, an entire podcast or two debating, you know, what's going on with Christian Wood and his future with the team. We'll save that conversation for another day. Let's get to our last guy here, Jaden Ivey, and and what stands out, uh, you know, about him to you right now. So... This I probably have him higher right now than most people, and I might be very much just be so excited. Like he does things on my basketball court that just make me squeal with like happiness. So like I could very much just have him higher because he's like so fun to watch. Um, and he does so he's he's like six four six five. He looks like long with his wingspan. Don't have measurements, but it looks good. So he's quite impactful defensively. Um, you can tell I like to start defensively. I don't really know why because this guy's an offensive player. He gets to the rim in a way that looks like Kyrie Irving with his handle. He's got the best handle and dribble in, in this entire draft from what I've seen. Like, and and I was re- so he's a second year player, so I was reading some tweets about him from Purdue fans, um, in from his first year. And apparently, he really needed to improve with his finishing at the rim, which is crazy because when you look at him this year, it looks absolutely amazing. Like he gets he's got so much craft getting to the rim. Like he had one play where he was he was in transition and he was running. You think oh he's just going to try and like get downhill, just runs full steam ahead. He stopped on a dime at the free throw line, pulled the defender back out, and then that went again at him, crossover, transferred it to his right hand to finish, circus layup, just all these like moves that he really puts together well. Like he does it with purpose as well, which not every like young player does. Um the way he gets to the rim is, is so exciting. And if you pair him with Jalen Green, this is probably the maybe the oddest fit with the two of them, because I, I don't think Jaden, uh, I don't think either of these guys are gonna be like high usage um playmakers in terms of like getting seven or eight assists a game. Um, and maybe one would need to set up the other, but the amount of rim pressure both of these players would put on if you paired him with Jalen Green, the amount of athleticism would be like off the charts. Um, and Ivy, he's, he's, he's currently averaging, I think, just slightly more turnovers than assists, but I actually really like his hand, like his, how he protects his handle. And I trust him so much as a decision maker that when he's in transition, he finds like he just seems to make the right decision every time, which is like so rare. And maybe it's because he's a second year player, so he's had that sort of time, but he's still very young. So I'm like blushing already. He's like so fun to watch as like an offensive player. The only question mark is his um his shooting. So he's respectable, like 12 shots, three or four gone in already as a three-point player. But he's the sort of guy who teams go under the screen, he's gonna get to the rim anyway, because he's got that full head of steam, he's got all the craft and he can move through traffic. If he pulls up and I feel, I'm saying this a lot if he adds a shooter, if he adds this. These are huge things to add. Um, but if he does get any sort of respectable open three-point shot, which we're not seeing right now because his teammates aren't really hitting him when he's open. Um, but that's something I'm really keeping an eye on throughout the rest of the year is how he hits that three-point shot. Is there a bit of a concern since he is a second-year player, do you think, that you know the three-point percentage wasn't there the first year and it's still not quite there the second year? Like, is there anything that you're seeing, you know, mechanically that's like broken with his jumper? Or do you think it's just like anything that stands out to you that would be kind of a significant red flag about his potential to, you know, adapt that part of his game, you know, at the NBA level? I think he, he pushes it a little bit. He pushes it out, but I need to see a lot more. So it's far too early to get, draw any conclusions about his three-point shot in his second year. Um, but he does seem to push it, quite uh, like forcing it out a bit. Um, I think the fact that he's a second-year player um, is actually like a positive for him because the the rate of improvement he's shown is a big uh, indicator of future success, if you ask me. So why I really liked Jalen Green last year is that when I was watching him in the G League, he started off really slowly, and then by the time he'd played 10 games, he'd, he'd improved in, in certain areas, and he, he had a monster game in the playoffs. So 
seeing being able to see somebody improve in is in is what was apparently a weak point of his game and getting to rims and now he just looks like so incredible at it um i think it's a really good indicator of future success wow well i Nathan, this has been an illuminating conversation, especially the the final three guys that I have not had a chance to look at yet. We're definitely going to have to get you back on uh, maybe a bit of a recurring thing as we're you know navigating this season and you know looking ahead at the NBA draft because let's face it, talking about the losses kind of stings. And let's face it, there's going to be a lot of losses this season for this Rockets team. But as always, a pleasure to be able to talk basketball, especially Houston Rockets hoops with you. Not necessarily Rockets hoops this time, more you know college hoops and, and whatnot, but you know what I mean. Um, let everybody know where they can track you down at. So Nathan Fogg, two Gs, like you said, Nathan Fogg one at Twitter. Uh, my blog is TN Rockets, T-E-A, like a drink, because I'm English, obviously, and I'm very imaginative. Uh, I'm going to be doing a lot of draft stuff, like I said, with you as well. Uh, and I, I post clips and just, I, I can leave We'll be continually pushing out like a, a an updated board of mine. So yeah, check me out there. Yeah, Nathan is one of the best Rockets followers on Twitter. Go give him a follow. Nathan Fogg, two G's, one at Twitter. Um, but for today's episode, that's going to do it. Nathan, appreciate you taking the time to stop by today. Yeah, thanks for having us, man. Anytime. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast, free and available on all platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google, brand new Odyssey app, also the brand new YouTube channel. Check us out there. But for today's episode, that's going to do it. As always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.